Welcome to Business Pants. We are Free Float. We are Matt, Ari, Jesse, Damien. Today's podcast, Business Pants Corporate Theater. Let me hand it off to our MC and get the show going. Our corporate theater players this week are the extraordinary Courtney Cook, Phil Hawk, Ashley Kutzer, and Mark McGee. This week on the show, we have an impressive and delightful cornucopia of sketches that truly demonstrate the skill and hard work here at the Business Pants Corporate Theatre. Up first, based on an article from Business Insider that details a full list of major companies requiring their employees to return to the office, we have a sketch called The Phantom of... Clarkson Corp. Did you get the documents? Are they all in, in order? Yeah, which one? The I ones got, that like we sent to you this morning. Documents. She needs beware, them. Beware! Holy shit! Beware of the cold corporate grip on your lives! Oh, hello, Harold. Harold? Who the hell is Harold? There is no Harold! Harold was killed by Clarkson Corp's deadly vice grip! Choked to death by overwork and cruel and apathetic management! Now, there is only the Phantom! I'll call security. No, no, he's harmless. The company knows about him. He lives in the basement. I might dwell in the bowels of this soulless steel building, but my spirit is on every floor, in every office, in every corridor. He, he ventures out to use the bathroom every now and then. Oh, come on. What is this? Beware of the cold corporate vice script on your lives. Harold used to be Harold Tuberman from accounting. He worked for the company for over 30 years, and one day he just snapped. Legend is that his supervisor had him working 75 hours a week with no time off for 18 months straight. Jesus. I was bound to my desk by the heavy chains of corporate greed and inhuman daily quotas that reduced my once confident nature to a bubbling puddle of nervous human jello. Like I said, Harold snapped one day, ransacked the whole accounting division and disappeared. He was found a few months later living in the basement. The company investigated and ended up firing his supervisor for overworking his department and put safeguards in effect so that wouldn't happen again to any other employees. Harold kind of became a company folk hero after that. The Phantom of Clarkson Corps. Wow, that is amazing. But they let him live in the basement? Yeah, he's 
got a nice little setup down there, and they leave him food from the cafeteria every day. He makes appearances once in a while, but he's nothing to fear. I love his cape. What is it made of? Mm, laminated spreadsheets. Oh, yeah. yeah. My children, why are you here so late while all the others have gone? Just putting in some extra hours, Harold. We're, um, we're about to head out. No! extra hours that's where it begins that's where it begins since clarkson's covid restrictions eased management has been calling employees back to the office the thinking is that productivity increases when workers are in the office together a lot of companies are doing this now ah that is why i've seen more of you milling around lately it's almost impossible for me to privately refresh myself in the 12th floor bathroom anymore (laughs) clarkson wants us to be in the office at least three times a week now they're also threatening to terminate workers who don't comply Bastards! Uncompromising corporate sweatshop bastards! I guess I can understand the company's reasoning. Maybe you do build more of a work community when everyone is in the same space. Mm, I don't know. It's not like we worked at home totally isolated. It seemed like we had twice the amount of meetings. I felt I was constantly on Zoom with a group or an individual. I almost found it difficult to have time just for my regular work. And we definitely had to be more detailed the way we documented our hours. They just couldn't accept the fact that you were enjoying a bit of freedom. It made them lose their controlling minds that they couldn't be literally peering over your shoulders as their syrupy drool dripped onto your keyboard and their foul, oniony breath made your eyes water. Jesus. Oh my God. Jesus has nothing to do with this lot. The pandemic was a godsend to the age-old concept of the corporate office. No longer was it just a mundane beige and gray grid with endless rows of identical cubicles. The office was now anywhere any employee chose to work and it was beautiful. If only I had the ability to venture out on my windowless three-by-three block to work some days in my apartment with an open window, Gina Lola Brigida Glossies covering my walls, and my cats Stefan, Rachel, Alberto, and Queen Victoria sitting on my lap. Oh, what a different path my pathetic existence would have taken you know i kind of agree with you here phantom i think this is a control thing they're trying to make us think that the only reason the working at home option existed was due to covid but it had been a popular option for many years prior They are just extending their bony talons and saying, Come back to the nest, dear children. Come back to the nest. But it is a nest of vipers. Deadly controlling vipers. Vipers have talons? Oh, you think this is funny, you poor wretched and oppressed drone. Uh, Calm down, Harold. Calm down. There is no Harold! 
There is only the Phantom! Where does the organ music come from? You know, we've never been able to figure that out. What are you going to do about this new in-office policy, gentlemen? What are you going to do? I'm not sure we can do anything. It's their company. Their company? Their company? Oh, wrong! You are the company, my children. You... You are the heart and the soul, and without you, there is no company. The worker is the company. Make them remember that. Make them never forget that. How do we do that? Yeah. Look, inside my left side cape pouch, I have 107 black sharpies. <laughs> I was wondering what that bulge was. <laughs> Distribute them amongst the workers and have them write, I am the company, wherever they can, on the doors, on the desks, chairs, foreheads, windows, computer monitors, television screens, bathroom mirrors. I've already done all the bathroom mirrors on the 12th floor. Anywhere and everywhere you can. It's very hard to erase a black sharpie. Yeah, I'm not sure vandalism is the answer, but I do like the overall message. Just maybe not such a literal form, per se. You've got to beat them over their heads with this, dear boy. (laughs) That's the only way they'll listen. Say... What if we literally beat them over the head? We could beat them to death with clubs. Golf clubs. That would be more sporting, don't you think? Golf clubs. What a uh, release. Okay, okay, Harold. We, we gotta go. Excellent. Go, go, go home to your real lives. I'm off to refresh myself again on the 12th floor. Speaking of, please tell the chefs to stop putting so much pepper in the butter squash soup. It lights my colon up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> Farewell, my children. Remember my words and heed my advice, especially about the clubs. <laughs> Well, uh, that was something. Yeah, he's a character. Something wrong, Harold? My cape seems to be caught on the corner of this chair. I may not make it to the 12th floor in time, so I suggest you both run. Run like the wind, my children. This is something you need not witness. Oh, okay. Bye, Harold. Bye. There is no Harold, only the... Oh, shit. I'm very excited about this next piece. It's the first in our series of CEO confessionals where we ask a CEO to turn on her phone and record her observations on the job. You may notice that the audio and editing is a bit unrefined. Uh, But that is because 
This is a true CEO confessional recorded on her iPhone 14 Pro. In this piece, our CEO is commenting on a conversation between her workers and is based on a recent New Yorker article called Why Everyone Feels Like They're Faking It. The concept of imposter syndrome has become ubiquitous. Critics and even the idea's originators question its value. Oh my God. I just had the craziest experience in the third floor women's bathroom. <sighs> okay, I was coming down from a C-suite meeting on the elevator and all of a sudden a bunch of people got off and I assumed it was the first floor because I was on my phone and I wasn't really paying attention. So I followed everyone out and suddenly I realized I am not in the lobby, but I am on the third floor. I don't think I realized I was on the third floor at the time, but I realized I was not on the lobby. I never, I never go to those lower floors, but I think maybe marketing or maybe HR is down there. I don't know. So instead of getting back on the elevator, I decide to go to the bathroom before I go to lunch, you know. So I go in, I do my thing, and all of a sudden I hear these two women come in, uh, and they don't know I'm there, obviously, because they do not quiet their voices or whisper or anything. And it just got so intense. They were talking all about, like, being a woman in corporate America. First, I'll back up. Okay, first one woman comes in and she is sobbing. She is crying so hard. And I'm thinking, oh God, like, you know, how am I going to get out of here, right? Um, and then this other woman, an older woman, um, comes in and she's like, oh my God, what happened? You know, you know, did you, did you not get the promotion? You know, you were in there for a really long time and we were all like waiting for you to come out. Meanwhile, this, this young woman is crying. Now I'm like peering through the cracks of the bathroom stall. So there are these two white women. I, maybe I've seen them. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really recognize them. And she's like, no, I got the promotion. And the older woman's like, well, why are you crying? And she's like, because I can't take it anymore. I, I feel like a fraud. I feel like a failure. I feel, she's like, failure, you just got promoted. And I'm assuming you got a raise. And she's like, yeah, I got a raise. And she's like, I keep getting raises. I keep getting promoted. And it doesn't matter. I can't stop feeling like a total fraud. And then, then at that point, the, the older woman's like, oh, you just have imposter syndrome. And she's like, yeah, I know I have imposter syndrome. I mean, obviously I have imposter syndrome. She's like, no, no, it's a thing. It's a thing. We all have it. She's like, oh, it's called being a woman. She's like, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. You need to get this book. It's called The Middle Finger Project. It's it's called like 
um, trash your imposter syndrome and live the unfuckable life you deserve. And she's like, I have that book. She's like, okay, well, have you done the workbook? There's this, there's this exercise where you, you know, draw your imposter voice as this creature or, or this monster so that you can like cross-examine all this like negative self-talk. She's like, I've done that. She's like, what about the mason jar where you put affirmations? She's like, I have the fucking mason jar. Okay, so this goes on and on and on. And she's basically like, girl, you got to play the game, girl. You got to suck it up. This is how you get ahead. And she's like sobbing, like, you know, I put this mask on to do this job. And I'm not even acting like myself. It's like, it's like I'm conforming to this idea of who I'm supposed to be. And the more I do it, the more fucked up I am because I have to keep it up. I have to keep up this facade. I mean, I'm like, oh my God, what is happening in the third floor bathroom, right? She's like, they're going to find out. And it's like, I'm, I feel like I'm constantly going to be busted. And by the fraud police, like they're going to figure out that I don't actually know what the hell I'm doing. And then all of a sudden this other woman walks in and it's this woman whose voice I immediately recognize. She's a I think her name is Stephanie. I don't, I don't know. She's the CFO secretary and she's, she's got this like awesome voice. This like, she's like no BS. She's just, I've always liked her anyway. And she's like, she comes in she's like, why the tears ladies? You know? And I'm like, fuck, this is just getting worse. She's like, what were you watching? Some white woman show at lunch, some steel magnolias nonsense. And then they get to talking about this whole imposter syndrome thing. And, and then the older woman goes, you must have felt this way as a black woman. And I'm like, oh, my God, I could hear a pin drop. And I, I don't know what happened. No one said anything for like 10 seconds. And I was trying so hard not to breathe. And I was, I was holding my breath. I was like, I'm going to pass out in here. And she's like, you must have felt this way as a black woman, like an imposter. And this woman takes a minute and she's like, you know, I don't have a crisis of self-doubt. You know why? Because I know that connections and privilege are what get people here. She's like, she says to the young one, she's like, doesn't your dad work here? Isn't he in senior management? And I'm like, oh my God, that's who that is. And she's like, there's nothing wrong with me. She's like, why would I think something's wrong with me? I am enveloped in a system that is failing to support me. She's like, I don't have imposter syndrome. This, this environment is hostile. No wonder. No wonder you feel like something's wrong. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then she's like, this whole imposter thing, they are making us think that we're the problem. She's like, fuck that. They're the problem. This environment is the problem. And I'm like, oh, my God, is she talking to me? She's like, fuck that. They're the problem. And then she's like, I don't let them tell me I'm the problem. I tell them, stop telling me I should fix myself at work when the thing that needs fixing is the place I work. And then she's like, you white women, stop buying into this whole imposter syndrome, syndrome crap. It's not a syndrome. It's not a syndrome. It's an internal experience you're having that, that makes sense in a lot of ways, but at least this corporate world, she's like, at least this corporate world is a realm that you can see your reflection in to some degree. I mean, but this whole like, you know, I've got imposter syndrome rant. It sounds almost like you're proud of it. Just like this communal, sorry to say, she was like, but 
self-deprecation. It's like, oh, you're, you know, oh, you know. And she goes, see it for what it is. You're smart. You're prepared. You do the work. So what you have bad days or feel insecure sometimes, don't let them tell you there's something wrong with you. And I was like, damn. Before I get to our last sketch, let me once again thank our business band's corporate theater in alphabetical order. They are Courtney Cook, Philip Huck, Ashley Kutzer, and Mark McGee. Let's end today's show with a wonderful audio mashup between Monty Python's classic sketch, 20th Century Bowl, and our very own business band's corporate theater sketch called Dead men don't get canned. Please enjoy. Well, the 21st century has done it again. Remember when certain things and characters were funny? Because they were ludicrous, ridiculous, over the top. Certainly not something that could exist in the real world, in real life. Well, cut to this year when newly appointed owner and ruler of Twitter, Elon Musk, I'm so sorry, fired his executives for simply answering his questions honestly and helpfully. That's right. He asks a question. The person answers it candorously and politely. And this person is rewarded by Musk's firing him. Subsequently, everyone else took the hint and answered Musk with whatever he wanted to hear, whatever the hell that may be. It's so absurd, it might as well just be a sketch from... Monty Python's a Flying Circus! Morning, boys! Sit down, sit down, sit down. Now, boys, I want you to know that I think you're the best six engineers and advisors in social media today. Sit down, sit down, sit down. Stop kissing me. There'll be plenty of time for that later. Now, listen, here's my problem, and I want your help and expertise to fix it. Now, look, this is ridiculous. I have more than 100 million followers, and I'm only getting tens of thousands of impressions. I want answers. Now, before any of you speaks, I have an idea as to what's going on. It's great. You like it, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, 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 yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, yeah. Do you like it? Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you like best about it? Oh, oh. well, you haven't told us what it is yet. What? Um, I like what he likes. What do you like? Oh, I like what he likes. I like what he likes. I like what he likes. I'm just crazy about what he likes. What do you like about it? I agree with them. Good. Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> Let me continue on what I'm thinking. There is obviously a breakdown in code somewhere. Oh. I mean, I have my little blue check. Think of the color. And I'm the most popular person on the planet. Yes. Wait, wait, I haven't finished yet. There's more. And I'm a free speech advocate, so I speak my mind. Okay. And gentlemen, I'm also hysterically funny. Hallelujah! So the only explanation is that we have a bug in the code somewhere that y'all need to fix. He tells it the way it is. It's where it's at. This is something else. It's out of sight. I like it. I like it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I promise I like it. Sir, I don't know how to say this, but I've got to be perfectly frank. 
I really and truly believe this story of yours is the greatest story in history. Get out! Huh? If there's one thing I can't stand, it's a yes man. Get out! <laughs> I'll see you never work again. What do you think? Well, I... Just because I have an idea doesn't mean it's great. It could be lousy. It could? Yeah. What do you think? It's lousy. Oh, yeah? Say more. If I may offer an alternative explanation, Mr. Musk, for your declining reach, just under a year after you made your surprise offer to buy Twitter for $44 billion, public interest in your antics is waning. Let me show you this internal data regarding engagement with your account, along with this Google Trends chart. Sir, last April you were at peak popularity in search rankings, indicated by this score here at 100. Today, unfortunately, Mr. Musk, you are at a score of nine. Now, we engineers have previously investigated whether your reach has somehow been artificially restricted, as you suggest, but we have found no evidence whatsoever that the algorithm is biased against you. Go on. Okay, well, as far as morale is going, we haven't seen much in the way of longer-term cogent strategy. Most of our time is dedicated to three main areas, putting out fires, mostly caused by firing the wrong people and trying to recover from that, performing impossible tasks and improving efficiency without clear guidelines of what the expected end results are. We mostly move from dumpster fire to dumpster fire, from my perspective. Furthermore, your product feedback, which comes largely from replies to your tweets, often baffles your workers. There's times you're just awake late at night and you say all sorts of things that just don't make sense. And then you'll come to us and be like, this one person says they can't do this one thing in the platform. And, and, and then we have to run around chasing some outlier use case for one person. It doesn't make any sense. The San Francisco headquarters, whose landlord has sued Twitter for non-payment of rent, has a melancholy air. When people pass each other in the halls, we're told that the standard greeting is, where are you interviewing and where do you have offers? When you're asked a question, you run it through your head and say, what is the least fireable response I can have to this right now? There you are, you see, he spoke his mind. He said my idea was lousy. It just so happens that my idea isn't lousy, so get out of here, you goddamn pickle subversive. Get out, get out, you're fired, you're fired. You! It's an excellent idea. Are you a yes man? No, no, no. I mean, uh, th th there may be things against it. You think it's lousy, huh? No, uh, I mean, it, it, it takes time. Are you being indecisive? Uh, yo, Ness, perhaps. <laughs> I hope you three gentlemen aren't going to be indecisive. What the hell are you doing under that table? We dropped our pencils. Yeah. Pencil droppers, eh? No, 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 no. And what are you all doing using pencils? This is Twitter, gentlemen. If you've got to drop anything, drop your goddamn phones. Right. Now I want your opinion of my idea. You! Ooh. Has he had a heart attack? If there's one thing I can't stand, it's people who have heart attacks. I feel fine now. Well, what do you think? Uh, you didn't ask me, you asked him. Oh, you didn't ask me? You asked him. Uh, uh, him. No, him. I've changed my mind. I'm asking you, the one in the middle. The one in the middle? Yes, the one in the middle. You, the one in the middle. What do you think? Come on. A sponge. Did he say sponge? Yeah. Yep. What does sponge mean? It means it's a great idea, but, but possibly not. I'm not being indecisive. Good. Right. What do you think? Uh, 
Plunge? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, Splunge for me, too. Yeah. <laughs> so all three of you think Splunge, huh? Yeah. Well, now we're getting somewhere. No, wait, a new angle. Oh, oh. I just need tweets that are even funnier. <laughs> okay. All right, right now I'm opening up Twitter on my phone. I am starting a new tweet, and I tweet something funny. Like... Uh... <laughs> Good evening? I'm a comedian, not a newsreader. Get out! I tweet something funny, like... Uh, 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 Splunge. That's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. Get out! <laughs> All right, Doris Dog tweets to Rock Tree, and I tweet back. I can't take it anymore. I like that. I like that. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> I think I'll just tweet out all the funny things you guys say when I fire you. Hello, who are you? Are you an out-of-work executive? Well, you're fired. Roll the credits. Lousy. We are bored sabermetrics, and we will be back tomorrow without this silly voice, I promise. And please go ahead, share this podcast with your pal.